Now, there's one song that depicts what he's been doing here. It's that one. It really is. He's been taking us on this journey. And it's been from an intellectual understanding, knowledge, to a heart one. For then the mind to be renewed. So then it becomes an intellectual thing as well. From the head to the heart, I'm taking you on a journey of letting go and getting lost in him. He is the answer. He holds all the answer. He is the source of life. He is life. I am the bread of life. He said, if anyone comes to me, they will never go hungry and never be thirsty. He completes us. He is the source of us. And without him, life has no meaning. He brings meaning. He brings purpose to life. And I would be completely lost. I'd still be lost if I never met him 17 years ago. And if I can be frankly honest, if he's not around, I want to go. Because life has no meaning without him. It has no purpose without him. I remember as an 18-year-old looking at my hands and I remember doing this and seeing the, the tendons move and the ligaments move. And, you know, when you cut yourself, your hand will heal itself or whatever part of your body. And thinking, there has to be someone behind this design. This can't just be a random lot of mud and things getting together and there you go. That's how that works. You know, I'd look and I'd see that and I'd go, man, look at that. When that one moves, that moves that. When that moves, that twitches that. And that's what started me on the journey. It was like, there has to be someone who's thought this up. <laughs> and there is. And what I discovered, I discovered more than that. I discovered love, the source of love, not human love. Human love lets you down. Human love crushes. Human love is limited. But he's not. And there's enough to go around 50 trillion times over for every single person on the planet who chooses and desires and invites him in. And that's why I love. He just sits there. The invitation is out, isn't it, for all. And he says, will you pick up and take my invitation I put it in your letterbox. It's just whether we've taken it out the box and opened it up and realized it's for us. And um, what a special moment and moments that was. Thanks, guys. That was very cool. Thank you, Lord. Um, I don't know where we're going to go. <laughs> I just want to keep singing that song. <laughs> More than words, more than good ideas. I found your love in the open fields. It's more than words, more than good ideas. Cause I found your love in the open fields. Beautiful.
It's amazing where you look for love, eh? It's amazing all the places a man searches looking for meaning and completeness. And we try every avenue before we try him. We exhaust every avenue. It's got to be in a female. It's got to be in a male. It's got to be in having kids. It's got to be in sport. It's got to be in a career. It's got to be in holidays. It's got to be in money. It's got to be somewhere but you. Unfortunately, too many of us come to him through that avenue. You know, it's amazing we don't need to. But I, because I'm a stubborn ass, <laughs> meaning donkey, meaning whatever. It's funny how he calls us sheep, isn't it? Uh, donkey's in there. It's cool, though, that a donkey he rode in on. So you think about a donkey being stubborn, stiff-necked. Is that you and me? Want to do our own thing? I know. (laughs) And yet, he rode in on a donkey. See, isn't it cool when the presence of God comes on a stiff-necked, stubborn donkey, it yields and surrenders itself because the presence is so great that it redefines and realigns the natural and the flesh. And an animal that's supposed to kick him off and get off (laughs) and do its own thing brings in the presence of God. So are we a stiff-necked, stubborn mule who still needs to be broken in by the presence of God? Or have we surrendered and submitted to Almighty God so we can carry Almighty God in where we go? Now, here I'm saying he's in us. But go with my analogy of the presence and the truth, the living manner, as it comes, it redefines something that's so natural. And the donkey changes its behavior. You know, I love, and I think I've shared this before, that how when the Philistines, I think it is, so help me, they have the Ark of the Covenant, and they're breaking out and boils and all sorts of stuff, and they go, man, what are we going to do? We've got to get rid of this thing. And the Bible says they took two cows that had just given birth. They attached a, a you know, cart to it, put it on the cart, and sent it off. And I love this thought that, I don't know about you guys, ladies, you had a baby. You pretty much want to hang on to the baby, don't you? There's a natural instinct to want to hang on to the baby. You die for the baby because of the process and your love for the baby. And yet, these two cows, their natural design is trumped because they are pulling the presence of God. You see, the presence of God trumps the natural. 
The presence of God trumps the flesh. The presence of God comes and it realigns everything and sets us on our way. And then the presence of God comes with you because he's in you. Never leaves you. And then you live from the presence. You know, it's not wrong, but so often we talk about sort of, and it's awesome, presence come, and we have sort of meetings, and is the presence going to come? Never leaves us. What about living from? That's not wrong. God comes and he ministers and does his thing. We just do it. But what about we leave and the presence is with us? So the presence is in us. So the life of Christ is in us. Christ is the hope of glory, and Christ resides in the church. And the church is the field and the love and the sources to come from us. So we are the vessel that carries the presence of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The life of the Spirit is to come through the church. Church or us, same thing. We are the church. We are the vessel, the chosen vessel, consecrated, holy, to bring glory into the land through the church. What an invitation. What a purpose. Let me share with you my plans for you, my people. Not your plans and your life and orchestrating your own little world, which I called empire building this morning. But let me show you my purposes and my plans. The plans for I that I have you say the Lord. Plans for a nation, not an individual. We've taken that and butchered that so badly it's created individualism. And everyone's running around looking for their individual plan that's separated from everyone else's plan. So have you found your plan yet? Because I'm looking for mine. Have you found it? Oh, I haven't found it. I'm still looking for it. Do you know what? You never find the plan. Who's still asking what the will of God is? See, I know Christians, you know, what's the will of God? What's the will of God? Well, the Bible tells you what the will of God is. If you know what the will of God is, you're proving the will of God. You see, but what we've done is we've created, because we aren't seeing the living word through his lens we see it through our lens and then we speak this other reality and it sets us on this journey when we should have gone that way so we're all looking for these individual things have you found yours tim i'm still asking the same question what about you terry oh me too maybe one day we'll find it god has a plan and a purpose for us we find our meaning inside that plan. It will look different, but it's all being outworked towards the same goal. So I may be physically leading you guys, and you may be physically in a business or doing something there, but we're, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, and the tricky thing is for me, is because I'm sort of in this dual thing that can look like it's... You know, this is what I do rather than it's who I am. So we all are on this authentic pursuit journey. That's my phone. <laughs> Maybe it's God. Let me have a look. Well, second to it's my wife. <laughs> I don't mean she's God, but I need to listen. <clears throat> 
And we, we, we all have a purpose together. And it's his plan and purpose for us. And as we discover what he says, his purpose and plan are like, you know what? I'm looking for my bride. Because my first purpose is I'm looking for my bride, a people who I want to spend eternity with in a marriage covenant. That is why the great commandment is the great commandment. We have to realize what we're reading. Love me with all your heart because you're married to me. I'm looking for her. I have so much in store for her. These people will reign with me. And I don't know the fullness of that yet, and I'm still seeking him on that. But what I do know is that there is a coming back with the Lord to establish his literal kingdom on the planet. And those who have lived a wholehearted, devoted life to him will be with him. It's, it's, it's Hollywood stuff, but it's not. The Bible says that the saints are going to judge And what we do is we go, I don't know who those people are, but I'm still looking for my purpose. (laughs) That sounds good, but that ain't for me. You know, what do you want from me, Lord? I want you to love me, son. I want you to love me. I want you to know me. I want you to come to know me and fall in love with me. And as you fall in love with me, I'm going to share with you my dreams, my plans. You won't need to write your own book on dreams. You'll have a book to write. It'll be about my dreams and how I see. And then I want you to align your life with everyone else who's my people to my purposes and my plans. Then you'll find meaning and purpose and the lane you're going to run in. And it will be as a body first. Individuals, healthy individuals make up a healthy body. A healthy body is made up of healthy individuals. If we're all looking for an individual plan, how do you think you get division? How do you think you get, I'm I'm interested in in what I've got. You do what you do and and you do what you do and and we'll just sort of encourage one another in our individual plans. But nothing's getting built, nothing of the spirit. I don't know why this is not in my notes, so I'm just speaking... And so we have to find what his plans and his purposes are and surrender our lives to that. And like I said before, this faith substance in this presence, this life starts to come. It says life comes through the commandment. The commandment is a door that leads to life. We can try and fulfill the commandment through the flesh. We go nowhere. I'm talking about the spirit that sits behind that commandment that has so much life in it, it births life. I think it's John 14, 21. Don't hold me to it. It's just something like, those who keep the commandments, I disclose myself to. I'm not talking about ticking boxes. I'm talking about surrendering your life. See, if you're going to love the Lord with all your heart, you're going to surrender your life, yes? Because all means all. So I have to surrender all to love him 
with all. I have to be a donkey who submitted and surrendered to love. We spent four, five, six weeks talking about that love and submission. And then he opens up in me his realm, the realm of the spirit, to walk in the spirit, live in the spirit. Galatians, have the fruit of the spirit produced in and through you. So the kingdom of God is in the church, but it's being established. So we're then able to minister and administer from the kingdom, from faith. That's one of the massive things he's been showing me, living from, living from a realm. It's from this indestructible life thing. It's from faith because faith sees the unseen and receives the living manna from the realm of the spirit that exists right here and is able to pull it down and live from it. David is able to demonstrate a realm before it's time, but it wasn't really because the time has always existed. So he's able to partake of something, bread, that he was breaking the law, but he was able to because he was actually engaged in another reality, even though he was physically walking it out. It's phenomenal. What faith does, the substance of receiving revelation and living for I know I can. Whoa, hold on a minute. You're breaking all the laws. No, no, I can't. Look at this. Hmm. It wasn't David. It was all his men. He then said, you want some? See, this is what faith in us releases. We live lives on a higher order. Sorry, Paul said, I'm living for an upward call. What is that upward call? Have we stopped and asked questions of what we're reading? He says, I haven't arrived. He says, I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to have fellowship with his sufferings. That's a big prayer, isn't it? He says, not that I have already obtained this. But I press on towards what I was laid hold of. So what Christ has laid hold of me for, I want to grab that. And he says, then he says, if any one of you hasn't got this yet, the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. So he was a forerunner. Paul was a front runner. He was an apostle. They're a front runner. They go forward. They crack open into the spirit realm and they go, hey, over this way. Jesus, when he came, he cracked open and said, hey, come this way. Come follow me and come into the fullness of an indestructible life in Christ. Where nothing can touch you. Even if, and I said this earlier, even if the body gets diseased, can't touch the spirit. The Bible talks about a broken spirit crushes a man. But we can go through stuff that doesn't touch our spirit. Why? Because we're of an indestructible kind. The spirit, although it is in us, 
isn't controlled by the body. The spirit is to come out of the body, so the body changes. Do you realize the more life you have? Have you ever seen people who are older and they have so much life in them, they're younger than some of the young ones. They've got more life in a 20-year-old who's like, oh, man, I don't know, it sucks. You hang out with Rolf and Almy, man. So much life, 85. Got more life than most of us. And one finger, old Rolf. Don't mess with Almy either. <laughs> Mate, you knew about it if you did. Why? Because the Spirit's alive. We're spirit. Yes, we are soul. Yes, we are body. But we're made in the image of God. And we have to be fed from the Spirit, by the Spirit, the living manner, which is the Word of God. The Word is the sword. And the sword comes to cut, do a work, and to fill. Washed. Washed by the Word. Come with me to Ephesians. I'm jumping around a bit, so just go with it. <laughs> this is faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Okay, We might get back to the hearing part. So this is the word. What is the word? We talk about it a lot. The word, brother. What's the word? Is it a historical book? With a whole lot of facts, scientific information and some of it. Because it says here we're going to wash in it. Pretty hard to wash in it, isn't it? Like, that's pretty cool. Let's wash in the word. I can't read it now. So where is it? Let's see if we can see. I'm believing I don't need glasses. Ephesians 5.22 Husbands I'll give you some time to get there Ephesians 5.25 Ephesians 5.25 25 25. I mean this is awesome This whole passage is about The marriage thing Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he, Christ, might sanctify her, the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. What for? That he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. No more Botox. Don't have to worry about it. You're losing your hair, it's all good. He's going to present me spotless, man. Don't have to go to the gym anymore. Don't have to eat protein shakes. The word, why didn't I discover this? The word is what washes me. Not me trying to wash me, the word. The living word washes, describes as water. Jesus says, I am the water of life, doesn't he? He says to the woman at the well, you're looking for water. You're always going to look for water. You will always be thirsty if you drink this water. But I am the water that brings life. 
And if you knew who was in front of you, you would ask for this water. Are we asking for what we he wants to entrust us with? What do you ask for? Hear what I'm saying? With the right motive. He says, ask, seek, and knock, doesn't he? Ask with the right motive. What are we asking for? See, he says, if you knew, if you had any comprehension of who was in front of you, lady, right now, you wouldn't be asking for natural water that you will always thirst for. You would be asking for something far greater and it's right in front of you. But you can't see it. I think the church is in the same boat. We're coming into more, but what are we asking for? What's faith? The conviction of things not seen. If she had a conviction of who he was, she wouldn't have asked for this, would she? She would be asking for, I want you are the source of life. All life is contained within you. And you will wash me and wash me and cleanse me that I may be prepared the sanctification process, because I remember we are righteous, but there's a sanctification process going on because that's from his perspective. He looks and he sees, but we all know our struggles. We all know our shortcomings. We all know. And he says, through the power of my spirit, my word and my truth, we're going to renew and restore blameless, spotless, And his glory comes through the church. So how much of the word is creating faith? How much of what we see in the word is creating a greater hunger for more? You hear what I'm saying? If I receive, if that is a measure of God to whatever that is, and I receive that, It creates a hunger for more of that. It becomes a hunger that I want more. I want more. I want more. Why? Because it tastes so good. Taste and see the Lord is good. You want more. You never get sick and tired of living manna. You get hungrier for it. So if I'm receiving this and it's living, I'm able then to live by faith And see more. Because this is empowering something that I'm able to receive more of. Because the greater the hunger, the greater the releasing. He says, it's an open heaven. It's an open door. There's nothing, nothing outside of your selfish motive. I have done it all, it is finished. And I look and I want to release to mature sons the fullness so then you're able to go and administer that fullness on the earth and that people would ultimately glorify me. 
And that is preparing you. That's called our apprenticeship. And that is preparing us for a future reality where we return with him. So what are you asking for? And is the word, not the book, is the word having its way with you? And is it washing us? And are we able to give testimony of change? Can you see how different it is from turning up? Can you see how different it is from what we've made it? Do you know what I mean? Uh, ultimately, I think we've made it this way because we realize, man, that's just a, that's too hard to get into. And how do you get into that? And he goes, that's a great thing through my spirit, through seeking me. And because of that, we've gone, man, that's just too hard. So let's come up with our version of it. This is what it looks like. It's full with lights. It's full with all these cool things, cool with great charismatic speakers who speak and do all this stuff. And we think, and we think the greater the crowd, the more the church is being built. And we go, man, it must be a cranking place because look at this, look at this, man. Everyone's turning up. Because, by the way, we've become so consumeristic in what we feed people. And so because it's a self thing that wants, and we, we, are, we, we create it. So Because we create it, so we get more people, see? We're so functionizing, but so you've got to keep it going. You've got to keep the wheels all spinning, because as soon as you take away the service that you've created, all hell breaks loose. Why? Because it's no longer about Jesus, it's about the kids' ministry and how well you're teaching my children. So you better keep that going, because that's why I bring them that's why we come here. You better keep the coffee hot. You better keep that guy speaking because, man, he's awesome. And as soon as something shifts and changes, oh, hold on a minute. We don't like that. Why? Because we're not building his way. We're not building on him. We're building on us. Now, you can have massive crowds, awesome, and it be on him. Hear what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with these things. God's given all things, where does the problem lie? Right here and right here. Why? Because I want to get in my way and I won't surrender. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom reality. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Once again, it's in spirit. It's not whether I go next door and I cook for my neighborhood and I hand out cookies, that doesn't mean I'm poor in spirit at all. <clears throat> That's a good deed. I might feel compassionate because, I don't know, whatever reason. That doesn't mean you're poor in spirit. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It's the first beatitude. It defines all the other beatitudes. If we're not poor in spirit, you know what we won't be? We won't hunger and thirst for righteousness. We won't be meek. We certainly won't mourn. I'll tell you what, we certainly won't be persecuted for him. And yet it says, those that are peacemakers get persecuted. What does it mean to be blessed as the poor in spirit? It's the first beatitude. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. The great Sermon on the Mount. And then we, I think we avoid it. (laughs) 
I went, yeah, Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount to those people. (laughs) All those people over there. That's who he preached it to. Why? See, I love love what he showed me years ago in, in Matthew. And he does, this is how I felt the Holy Spirit spoke to me. You see him and he's going through Tocopolis and he's healing and they're bringing out their sick people and it's awesome. And it's all right. That's all calling him. Right. Then it goes to Matthew 5. And it's like, right, boys, now you've seen what I'm capable of. Okay? And it's part of. Now we're going to talk about the real stuff. Now we're going to talk about the inner reality that I want to establish in you so you don't get caught up in that stuff. But as this outworks, you will find yourself doing that, but you won't be hooked on that stuff. You won't have individual ministries about that stuff. You'll have me. And as you have me, that'll just be a natural outworking. So you won't glorify it or think it's all cool and get too excited and go fleshly. Why? Because I'm being produced in you. See, I can't see Jesus. Look, we, what I mean by that is I think, you know, like, <laughs> I think it's awesome when someone gets healed. And I think it's awesome to celebrate it. And then I'm moving on. Like, it's, it's, it's almost can become, it's cool, it's focused, but right, Jesus, what's, let's go. What are, we, what are you doing now? What am I seeing now? So it's, it's cool, and seeing someone get saved is, is cool. You know, it says the angels celebrate, and it's all cool. But Jesus was going towards something greater. So you see him, be healed, bang. We, like, have conferences about it. <laughs> You know, and we end up worshiping the healing and not the heal, the one who's healed. Why? Because there's a far greater reality that he could see that he was moving towards. You know, he was going to the cross and then he said, for the joy set before me, I go the cross. I'm able to be crucified because I'm seeing things. I've got faith. I'm seeing things of where we're going. We're not here. Our home is there. So, yes, it's awesome. All these things that are outside gifts, all those things are cool, but let's not glorify them above him. Let's not honor them above him because you get entangled in them. And then all of a sudden, you're not looking here. You're looking here. When's the next thing? When's the next thing? We're always looking for the next buzz. We're always looking for the next fill. Always looking for the next fix. But he said, if you know me, what? You're no longer hungry. You're no longer thirsty. You found the well of life. You found it. And I fill. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Number one. It's number one because it defines all the others. And it is an internal realm. There is nothing external about the Beatitudes. The be attitudes. Not the do. The be Sorry, pride goes before a fall. Humility releases life. I needed to be crushed. And I mean crushed. He didn't crush me. My dumb decisions crush me. I have a will. You have a will. It is the most powerful thing given 
but not defined by him. It's your enemy. I, I, I. And that thing needs to be broken and snapped and smashed into a trillion pieces, never to be put back again. I wrote this. These are the words that... The beauty of being broken. (laughs) The beauty of being broken to be restored. Because that thing that wants to stay in control and wants to do it its way needs to be broken before the spirit of humility. And I've had people say to me, don't preach this stuff because people feel real bad and it brings condemnation. Don't preach it. Let's just preach the new man. Let's just preach the new. Do you know to really come into the new, you need to know where you've come from. You don't know what food tastes like till you don't have it. You can't appreciate the food we eat until all you've eaten is rice your whole life. What's for dinner? Rice. What's for breakfast? Rice. What's for lunch? Rice. What's for breakfast? Rice. What's for lunch? Rice. What's for dinner? Rice. My children have no reference point for the children in Cambodia and the way they live. That's why I wanted to take Madeline to show her that hopefully God would do something within her so she can appreciate what she actually has. But she has no appreciation for food. What's that we're eating tonight, Mum? One of these vegetables. Ugh. Mm. Schnitzel's a bit chewy. <laughs> no, that's my girl's. No. He's half who's giving him a banana. He's always all good. <laughs> vegetables. Kumara. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my. Oh, you have no concept, guys. You have no concept of maybe what it's like to not even have food. And so I took Madeline and she's like, wow. Wow. Dad, is that where people live? Yeah. There starts to be an appreciation. And how do we appreciate if we, if we don't even know this position that, that we're actually in? It's the starting point. That's why it's number one. Now, that doesn't mean if you've been walking him for 10, 15, 20 years and that work hasn't been done, it can still happen. He can show you it. I'm not saying he, he, he necessarily, I'm going to sound like I'm going to contradict myself. He will show you what he wants to show you while at the same time, I know blessed are the poor in spirit are those people who have gone through a process where their will have been broken, smashed, demolished, and then reborn with the spirit of humility, which brings you low and lowers your will and then brings you up and you walk differently. Jacob walked like this. Israel walked like this. David, 
David's checking out chicks on the balcony. Yeah, look at that. Think I'll have me a bit of that. Yep, let's get the guy killed. Let's work out a system to get him because I fancy her. That's right. Then, I love it when the prophet comes and start to say to him, hey, what would happen if this happened? Oh, I would rip his head off. That guy's dead. Oh, really? That's you. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. God told me I saw it all. That's you. And the man breaks and the man repents. The man is a broken man. And God says this. He's a man after my own heart because he's gone through a process where he thought he was this. He goes through a process. Now he comes out the other side. He's this. What about Paul? See, imagine being Paul. You're on the road to Damascus. You're so full of yourself, it's not funny. Because you've studied at the university, that is. You've studied under the greatest. You are the Hebrew of Hebrews, the Pharisee of Pharisees. You are on a pursuit of righteousness by the law. No one can touch you. And then all of a sudden, the Lord decides, boom. Now you're blinded for three days. Now you are not dependent on anybody. And now you can't see. The operating system that created that man's life is so full of himself and now it's been broken. Now he's so dependent. I think there's a serious humbling work going on in him. And then God sends a vision to a man named Ananias who's packing himself because of the vision. You want me to go lay hands on who, man? That guy's killing everybody. It's okay. I've spoken to him as well. And so this man who's an unknown to Paul comes and ministers to him. I reckon that man is being broken in three days and he's starting to realize I'm not all who I think I am. What about Peter? We'll go with you. You know, you can see they chest out, guns are pumping. You know, we're with you, man, all the way. Do you think you guys could? Yes, we can, Lord. Who's the greatest? Oh, man, let's have a discussion. Is it me, John, or is it you, James? Who's the greatest? And they're so far from him and his reality. And they all said the same thing. They can't even stay awake for one hour. Well done, we're still awake. But they can't stay awake, although they're going to go to the cross with him. <laughs> you know, it, it's a two here. That's right. But we're the same. Yeah, we're all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the next week it's like, Ugh. <laughs> you go to prayer now, man. You know, have an early night. And then the next week, yeah, 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 woo, yeah. That was a good service. And then we say, why? Because there's this type of word that washes, that changes, that creates. Blessed are the poor in spirit because he humbles and he breaks and it creates a new appetite. 
In Deuteronomy 8, says, God says, I lead you into the wilderness to humble you, to test you, to show you what's in your heart, to keep food from you that I would then actually feed you with another manner. A food that your fathers don't know of and their fathers. It's a new day. He's talking to us. I'm going to take you on a journey to show you, to humble you, to test you, to do a work in you. Not to destroy you, but to lift you up and edify you. Because your spirit or your will needs to be realigned thing is we don't even know it does and it's not all because if we've been through this process and this is what I find interesting when you've been through this process you say yes and amen you never ever go don't preach it because you know the life that it has brought you and you say yes and amen it's hard and it's tough because you feel like you're breaking and you are. And we must come into this other side of this life. And then all of a sudden, you've got a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Didn't have it before. But I got it. I'm going to read you these, these Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Where's the kingdom? In us. See what this does, it births the life of the Spirit within you. It starts to do a deep work of the Spirit. That's where authority is found. Authority is found in humility. Because he knows you've been broken, realigned. Authority without humility is dangerous. That's why it's grace and truth. We're pretty good at the truth. Let me tell you how much truth I know and smash it with it. Boom. No love. No humility. That's called self-righteousness. Jesus hated it with a passion. What did he say to the Pharisees? He said, you lot. He said, go away and learn what I meant. I don't need your offerings. I don't need your sacrifices. I want your compassion. I want to see love coming out of you for these people that I'm hanging around with that you're pointing the finger at. Sinners and tax collectors, prostitutes, he's hanging with them, probably touching them, hugging them, with them, talking. And those who are full of themselves turn up and start doing this. Oh, they thought they were humble. They thought they were on the money, didn't they? Point the finger. And Jesus looks, he says, I don't want your offering. I don't want your sacrifices. What I want is compassion. Go away and learn what I'm talking about. He was poor in spirit. And he's demonstrating something of humility. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. 
Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They shall be satisfied. Are we satisfied? How content are we? Here. Do we have a peace that guards our heart and our mind? What we talk about this morning? Why are you anxious? You worry about many things. Martha, you worry about many things. You're anxious about many things. But there is a peace that guards the heart and the mind, which guards it from anxiousness. You can hear the dimension of the spirit that we can live from. Because it probably sounds impossible, and it is with us, but all things are possible with him, yes? I think it was Ollie that someone prayed it. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Faith sees. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When was the last time you were persecuted for living a life of righteousness? There's a tall order in it. There's, There's something God is calling you and I to be demonstrations of. And it's going to upset people. And those people start right here. Can, depending on the heart and the mind. Jesus says, I'm going to come and I'm going to put a dividing line between spirit and flesh. And you're going to see who's choosing me and living for me and who's choosing them. And I'm no respecter of persons. And this line's going to come between a father and a son between a mother and a daughter because it's about my family first. And I want everybody to be my family, live in my family, but I'm going to come and I'm going to divide because the lion's turned up and the lion is going to have his way. You can see why he says, if you love your mother, your father more than me, you're not worthy of me. There's a wrestle that needs to take place. But as you, and I've lived this out, and I'm still living this out. Mate, I know what it means to be persecuted by family. I know it. I've lived it out, and you're trying to walk through it. Not Mr. Popular this week. And all you're trying to do is live for him. But others don't understand you're living for him. Because there seems to be a loss associated for them. And there is. Because you're trying to live for him. And his ways and what he says and his design. But they don't really want to. They want to live for them. Because they're living from the flesh. Seeing and hearing from the flesh. And so the test and the challenge is, Greg, can you love while you're being persecuted? Do you have me in you that you can love and turn the other cheek and have that cheek? You don't think it's going to be. 
your dad. You don't think it's going to be your wife. You don't think it's going to be this. And by the way, you've been doing it yourself. You think your enemy is someone you don't even know. Must be someone that believes in another faith. Your enemy can be sleeping with you. Hear what I'm saying. We are all to be one but of the Spirit because we receive the living manna which is bringing us forth out of flesh into life, being separated and set free from the flesh in the Spirit and the kingdom life is being produced within us. So the kingdom of God is ours living for it. Then he goes, he said, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Anybody want to turn and follow Jesus now? What happened to the Father Christmas, Jesus? I'm following you because I can get out of you. Now that's where it may start. You may have started there. Cool, we probably all did and we all did. But we're going to grow up and mature to where now it becomes you'll know them by the way they lay their lives down for one another. Are we laying our lives down to see his kingdom established? Or are we living for us? And once again, I just, I'm just trying to paint the picture of who we're called to be. And he's telling me you're going to be persecuted. You'll be false. You have things against you. People will say evil about you. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, they persecuted me. Why? Because we are living for another standard. Why? Because the word that we are chewing on and eating on, the Christ, is starting to change us. And we are being unhooked and unanchored from priorities and what's important and all these things and then anchored to another reality. Only he can do that work. That's why prayer is so important. That we are people of prayer because that's a massive work. And there's no way you're going to be able to take people that you love with you while they still remain in this unrenewed state. Prayer helps it unlocks, reveal, show. Help me to love, meaning us. Help us to love while this is going on. That's massive. Absolutely massive. And men and women died for their faith in him. They considered it an honor to be burnt by fire, oil poured over them, ripped apart for Jesus. We probably all do with a good dose of persecution, couldn't we? It would awaken us. That's why persecuted spread the church. It's, it's, it's a shame that love's not enough to do it. It is. It is enough. But my heart, man, my will, it's wicked and it wants its own way. And so this pressure comes and it comes to humble me comes to break me, comes to create another hunger in me. So I hunger for something new. I have a hunger 
Because I've been born again for another hunger, another way, another world, another world's way. I'm going to feed off another system. And this system births life and abundance and more than enough and a love that is beyond my me, but it seems to be in me and I've received it and a joy that is not about happiness, but it's a joy that, that for the joy set before me, that it's a strength that enables me to look at things and go, that's momentary light affliction, what's coming at me now, because I'm moving towards something far greater than what I've seen. That enables this. It is huge. And it can demotivate. Can't it? But at the same time, it can also motivate. If we hear through the flesh, it'll all appear too big. And it'll be like, mate, Mount Everest, 29,000 feet. I've done no training. I've got one water bottle. Flag it. Or I go this, 29,000 feet, or God, you're higher than that. And you're in my camp, and you said it's possible, because all things are possible in you. This is a pretty big mountain. But you said, if I have faith the size of a seed, I can tell it to get out of the way, which means I don't have to climb it. That'd be cool. (laughs) So I'm going to seek you, and I'm going to pursue you, and I'm going to let you wash me, and I'm going to let you go to work on me and whatever that looks like. And it'll be different for all. So then you change me so that I find myself climbing this mountain. And all of a sudden now I'm seeing things at 5,000 feet. Man, when we went to Brisbane and we did that Tower of Terror thing, that was a rush. And it takes you up. 39 stories. Anyone done it? You done it, Jeanette? Rick and Jeanette have. Mate, it's it's awesome. You, you know when you when you when you're at that level, all you can see is is man, it looks high. You can't see that much. You can see what's in front of you. Then you sit in this chair and it locks you in, and there's about six people. We did it with Johnny and Bex. And, and these two Aussie kids, they were so funny. We were queuing up. And they uh, they looked at me and they said, Hey, mate. I said, yeah. Hey, young. Good. Are you scared? <laughs> and I said, Yep. <laughs> oh, it's okay, mate. No need to be scared. We've done this 14 times today. <laughs> I said, We'll let you know when it's about to drop because we've counted it. And I'm like, I'm looking at them going, Little. <laughs> they're going to have me on and they're going to like count and I'll be like, I said oh I don't believe it nah mate we, we, we haven't pulled your leg it's alright and you know like 40 little, little twinkle in their eye you know so we get on this thing and buckled in I'm right in the middle and takes you up and it goes real slow but as you start going up the view starts to shift and you start to see everyone else enjoying the fun park and there's people screaming and other people yelling. and You know, there's all the stuff. There's the claw. Go on the claw. That, that will freak you out. There's people going around this thing. You start going up and you, up and you start seeing more and you start seeing Brisbane and you can start to see the Gold Coast. And they're like, man, 
39 stories it goes, and the view is incredible. And I could describe the view at 39, 39 stories up. I couldn't see it when I was on the ground. But I thought, man, that's happening over there, and there's that happening over there, and there's that happening over there. Look at that, Danny, there's stuff happening over there. And I'd sort of forgotten about the timer. <laughs> and I'm getting all excited. Can you hear my point? The deeper we go in him, the more you see. And the more he starts showing you more and more and more. And it's like, look at the view. But the view at 39 was different at 17. And the view at 17 was different at 9. He says, well, how high do you want to go, Greg? And we get up and we're up there and it's 39 <laughs> stories high. I'm like, man. Danny's like, ooh, you're scary. Even Johnny Joe's like, ooh. And these two kids are like, <laughs> they're enjoying us sweating. Okay, mate. 10, 9, 8. And I'm like, I'm going to kick you You're dead after this. And this doesn't go, 7, 6. Five, you ready? Are you scared? Four, I'm like, three, two, boom. And I don't know, I just scream. Because that's the only way I'll throw up if I don't. So I go, ah! And I get to the bottom. It takes you forever to get up there and you're down within seconds. And man, you go, that is a rush. That's awesome. Ah! Phenomenal. It's like when I jumped out of a plane. That was cool. We are higher again, 12,000 feet. Do you know what you can see at 12,000 feet? Heaps. God says, how high or how deep do you want to go? Faith sees the washing of the word, the living manner, the ability to hear it, receive it, allow it to do its work in you, opens up a realm. And now we're seeing things now and the future that we can pull in and receive and live from. The bride, the millennium, the kingdom. Even if you took love and said, there's a power that comes so that love would be real and tangible for us. What about that? That this love guides, directs, forms, shapes. Never mind the bride, never mind the millennium. Love. To know a love that's in you, that holds no wrong. That always believes, endures all things. It is not jealous. You don't look at someone else and go, I wish I... Why? Because you're content with who you've been created to be because you know this love. To comprehend with all the saints... This thing called love, which is the most powerful force on earth and in the heavens. And then when he releases it, nothing can stop it. Nothing. And we can experience it. If people say to you, ooh, experience, they never experienced it. 
I'm telling you right now. People who talk to me, oh, experience. It's not about experience. It is. It's about experiencing the love of a father that changes you. Someone says that, they have never experienced the love. They haven't. We are to experience him. I love you, babe. Imagine, imagine that. This cold relationship with my wife. Oh, I love her so much. It'd be weird, wouldn't it? If I don't experience her. See, that's just religious. It's because we haven't got a reference point for it. We're looking more like this through a technical lens. It's a textbook. It's a historical book. This is about a person. A person who can be known. Who is love. You can feel him, experience him, know him. I was bawling my eyes out this morning because he sat with me. And the love that is in me causes emotion. It's beautiful to be held by him. My mum's had him touch her on the shoulder at my dad's funeral. We prayed and I said, I pray, mum, you will know the Holy Spirit is with you. And she's talking to three ladies and she feels this hand come on her shoulder. She spins around to see who's there and there's no one there. She goes, that's weird. And the woman goes, what were you looking at? She said, well, I thought someone had come up and put their hand on my shoulder because I felt this, pre- this, this hand on my shoulder. I've had God in my room. I've had light in my room because I asked him to come. I had no concept. He said, I'm the light of the world. See, there's a realm in the spirit. Angels would appear. And we're so paranoid. Oh, angel, it's probably of the devil. But angels would come and they would look and they would speak. There's a realm of the spirit. We can experience God. God wants us to experience him. I'm not talking about, yes, there is all the human stuff. I'm talking about the real deal. The real deal. Where you experience and receive through revelation a love that you do not know. Now you know. And now it directs life. And it heals. And it covers. It protects. The Bible says, Make sure you do not come short of the grace of God. Why? So that a root of bitterness cannot get in and cause you to defile many. Don't come short of the grace, the power, the life. Why? So when offense comes, dink, dink, dink. Why? Because I've got the kingdom in me. I'm full. I'm full of something. I'm not going to get offended. I'm going to love you. What? Because the armor of God, which is Christ in me, Christ has been formed. And I'm responding from that measure. See? It's radical. I'm going to shut up now. I've said enough. But it's an indestructible life in him 
that the Spirit brings us into. And it's possible to love one another as I have loved you. That is the commandment. If he says it, it's doable. Yeah? If he says it, it's possible. I don't judge my, my I don't judge his truth by my reality. I judge his truth by his truth. And my reality must bend its knee to his truth. Otherwise, I'm defining truth. That is lifeless. That is full of life. So, Father, I just want to thank you. And um, I thank you that we're on this journey with you to take us, Lord, from the head to the heart, to take us on a journey of letting go and getting lost in you. The words are so prophetic. There's a letting go that's required. There's a letting go of control. There's a letting go of what you think. There's a letting go. And letting go is scary. Letting go means I'm not in control. And I'm giving the control over to someone I might not yet know. That's scary. But your unknown is his known. Your unknown is his known. He's very comfortable in your unknown, even though you're not. And you can trust him with your unknown. You can trust him. I can trust him with our and my life. And he's taking us on this incredible deep cries out to deep journey to bring us into the fullness of the life and the spirit now. Lord, help us if we're struggling in unbelief. Like the man that said, help me in my unbelief. When he said, if you can, heal. And you said, what do you mean? If I can, all things are possible. From the head to the heart, you take me on a journey. Of letting go, I'm getting lost in you. From the head to the heart, you take me on a journey. Of letting go, I'm getting lost in you. Because there's no shame in looking like a fool. When I can't keep what I can't keep. To take a hold of you. No, there's no shame in looking like a fool when I give you what I can't keep. To take a hold of you. My heart is open wide. 
I will receive your light. You give me faith like a child. In you my heart runs wild. From the head to the heart. You take me on a journey of letting go. I'm getting lost in you. Head to the heart, you take me on a journey of letting go. I'm getting lost in you. Father, I just continue to pray that we would get lost in you. That we would trust you with everything. And we would pursue you with everything. And we would receive everything you have for us in your perfect timing. Lord, I pray you would teach us to count our days so we can produce a heart of wisdom. You would produce it in us that we wouldn't be casual with our lives. That we wouldn't be caught up in life and allow life to define our lives, but yet we would be defining life and the kingdom that is within us, the love, the power, the joy, the peace, the gentleness, the kindness would define our choices, our priorities, the decisions we make. Lord, I thank you that your son is the perfect demonstration of the perfect son. And you say, be perfect like your heavenly father is perfect. I thank you that you have given us a model to look to and a model to become being led by the power of your spirit. For we cannot, we cannot do this in our own strength. Our strength must go as we find this place of weakness in you. Because your grace is sufficient for us to do the work. And then Paul said, I will receive that so your power is outworked within me. The power of an indestructible life, no longer death, can hold this life down. No longer the physical act of death. Jesus defeated death, the power of death, to bring forth an indestructible life for you and I. A life of the Spirit, a life from His domain. For I am not from your realm, He said to Pilate. If I was, my men would have acted this way. But I am from another place. I live from another place. I speak from another place. It's called heaven on earth. But the culture, the DNA, the design is in me. For I am the temple of the spirit living on the earth. Earth is my footstool. And I speak, see, hear, smell from this realm, this realm of faith. 